Hello and welcome to Project Footballer episode 16. Today's episode is around the new changes which the Premier League have put out, which has sent shockwaves around academy football. Um, we're joined online today with Marcelo Grassa and Rob Ursel, and we'll be discussing this. Probably quite a shorter episode than normal, but we think that there's such significant changes, they warrant discussion. So um, I think the best way to get started is to just talk about the four rules, the four main rules, and then we can then dive into each. So one of the rules is the changes to pre-academy. Um, the other change is to compensation rules. There are changes to grassroots football or academy footballers being able to now play in grassroots football. And then also the way that academies can have shadow squads and how they hold trialists uh, without necessarily registering them. So, uh, Marcelo, you can pick which one would you like to talk about first? Let's go with the pre-academy changes because, um, well, it, it it means yeah significant changes to what how we scout and stuff as well. It may have uh, some impact on that. So let's start with that one. Okay, I'd like to give some context around this before we dive into it because I think it's important for parents to understand how the pre-academy program has evolved to what it is today. So some parents will know this, some won't, but it would probably have been around the year 2000, 2003, that clubs could register players at under nine. Before that, the earliest that you could sign for a club would be under 12. Is that how you guys understood the rule as well? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah. Prior to then, yeah, it was quite relaxed. Um, there was a lot of grassroots football. There's maybe more emphasis on school football, district football. You know, some people argue it's better like that. Other people argued that, you know, you can have more development with players when you get them in at a younger age. Um, you know, whatever's right or wrong, we are in a situation where since that, that year, that period, we now have a situation where clubs are recruiting from seven years old, eight years old to then build their teams for under nines. Because like I know being at Chelsea, we were very, very like forward thinking in this space around this time, around 2003, where I remember we, we created these like development center models. And um, yeah, we were, we were very, I don't want to say, use the word like, I would say I would say proactive. That's a good term for how Chelsea's approach to it. Um, I know Arsenal had like a few centres, but it was nothing like it is today where there's like centres all across London. So, um, yeah, I mean, like it, it was like a way for clubs to go out there and just scour like their region and ensure they didn't miss a player. Um, and I think, yeah, some clubs were better at doing this than others but now like everyone's like really like cottoned on and um it's very very competitive at the under sevens and under eights ages like Marcelo would you agree yeah I think scouts now from clubs in London are looking to to get players in as early as possible sort of from I'd say under six 
So from those ages, it gets very competitive. They've got training sessions set up. Um, and yeah, and these under sixes start to train two, three different places um, each week. So yeah, very, very competitive. And it's almost like if you start that process later, you're almost behind already. It's, you know, because they'll form relationships with with these clubs that they're training at. And then, so then to get them in at an early, um, later stage, it's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and Rob, like, what's your take on, on players playing like at such a young age? Um, listen, I think I think they you have to start younger than than you ever have before, really, because uh, whenever you start, you're you're gaining hours and hours and hours of experience, and there's no substitute for the practice and experience that you get. And the later you start it, the further you are behind. So, I mean, obviously, you have to ensure that the kids are having fun. You don't want to push kids to be doing things that they don't want to be doing. But if if a child does show talent and desire to play football at any to, to any serious degree, um, as soon as that happens, you kind of have to get them playing where, wherever and whenever, probably as much as possible. Yeah, and I probably should have rephrased the question because I think I said, what's your thoughts on playing football at a young age but it's not just playing football at a young age it's going into these centers that yeah they're, they're fun focused the majority of the clubs like that you know they've got great coaches that understand they're working with young kids but it is also you're playing against other like talented kids and they're pretty high intensity sessions so um yeah i mean there's quite a lot of other people that argue that it's too much pressure yeah, that, that's the that's the one thing. It's, I think it's um it's quite difficult for kids when they're when they're that age. It's, it's impossible for them to hear they're going to Chelsea or Arsenal or Tottenham or wherever and not get overly excited. And we all know a lot of the kids that go into the development centre have got very very small chances of being signed by the academy at under nine, just because of the weight of numbers. Is that, is that up to the parents to sort of manage expectations a little bit and, and keep them grounded? Yeah, yeah, yeah they have a massive excited. hand in it. They have a massive... I, I was at Chelsea, uh, like, I think it was called School of Excellence or whatever, when I was probably nine, ten years old. And I just thought I would be in, in the Premier League for Chelsea at that age. <laughs> I, I thought, that's it, I've done, I've done it now. <laughs> a year later... I was not there anymore. <laughs> so it can, it, can be a, it can knock your confidence for sure. Um, Rob, you've had your episode. Be... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it would be, I think it would be preferable to me personally if there was a way for the club to see them without the kids thinking they're at the club, if that makes sense. But okay. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen now, is it? too late mm. you can't put it can't put the genie back in the bottle there no well, well well just to bring it back to kind of this evolution so we're sort of talking about like because because i'm talking like from the, my experience with chelsea and seeing what happened in london around that 2003 period where development centers it was actually at chelsea it was um uh, you know mickey beale who's taken over as the qpr manager yeah yeah, yeah. 
yeah so like I think at that time like there was only like maybe a couple of centers at Chelsea um but then Mickey he like developed this program to have like eight centers um that were all going to be like the same way of coaching and you know like great great sessions um and consistent sessions and all the all the other stuff um and then I think that's what then caused in London anyway like then all the other clubs to have to then like catch up with that um because, yeah, I remember when I moved from Chelsea around 2007, 2008 to go to QPR, I, I, they asked me to take over their, like, under nine programme for, like, like pro- producing the under nine teams. And I couldn't believe the infrastructure that they had. They had nothing in place. I was saying to them, how do you expect to get your under nine teams? Like, how have you got them in the past? And I think, like, it, it was so casual. It was so unorganised. Um Anyway, yeah, year on year, it's obviously got more and more competitive. Um, people have seen like where players like Reese James, Mason Mount, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Hudson Odoi, all these sorts of players have like gone through. Phil Foden for Man City started the club at six, seven years old and go all the way through. So, you know, the people at the top level see that they have to put a lot of money into it. Anyway, but I think that like, what's happened is that the the Premier League or the FA, they almost didn't like they, they they got involved in like you know the registration phase at under nine, but they were almost like shutting their eyes to what's happening beneath the under nines. They're like, you know, they, they weren't involved in it. And then that's where, like you had in the news like two years ago, Man City having under five an under five elite group. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah, yeah. I think you said yeah. Yeah. And, and so then I think like with stories like this coming through um, and, and clubs like making it so much more of their program, the under sixes and the under sevens and under eights, like the, the, the Premier League had to say, no, we've got to take some action. We've got to try and control this now. And, and this is where they put some rules in place. So, um, yeah, Mar- Marcelo, do you know the rules? Do you have, have you got them to hand? Have you seen what they've changed with, with the program? Yes, so it means that um, at pre at pre academy age they can only start playing matches for whatever club uh, from January, from when they're under eights. So no more games are under sevens anymore. Yeah, uh, they can play. They can play other grassroots teams, but they can't play uh, two academies together against each other. So that's going to be a big change i mean like for clubs clubs like yeah. arsenal so yeah, yeah. Start, you know I've, I've seen and and just through players that we've got that are, are at arsenal they they're having games at under seven which is yeah. yeah which is early yeah for sure earlier than us at spurs for sure um and yeah it's also tough as well on the grassroots because you know you might have a kid who is traveling on a saturday up to saint george's to play a game um, and then he's finding it hard to, to make it on the Sunday and then leaves their team short on a Sunday. And it's just, yeah, it causes a bit of drama. So I can understand why they've done this. So, so you think this is a good rule? The rule that they've said, like, no games for, for pre-academy until you get to January of under eight, you think that's a positive change? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. More of a level playing field. Um, yeah, that's. I think. I think that's the... That's the most important thing. Uh, it's, 
the, the more like city under fives, not every club can afford to do that. So it does level the playing field a little bit to 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 put sanctions in that, that limit what the super rich clubs can do. Okay. But do you not think that the clubs will find ways to get around it? Yeah, but I'm sure they will. Try. Oh, I'm sure they will. They won't play under the, let's say, Arsenal banner or Crystal Palace banner or whatever club it may be. But some of these clubs have affiliate grassroots teams where a lot of the, the boys um, train there anyway. So they, they'll just arrange games, you know, away from that. And it's essentially still a Crystal Palace team or an Arsenal team. Does that make sense? Yeah. But do you think that kids are missing out on great experiences? Because sometimes, like, when you see the pictures on social media where a little kid gets to go up to Man City or, like you say, St George's Park, these are great moments in these these kids' lives. They're still going to get them, just a bit later. I think some won't, you know, some... Yeah, of course some won't. Uh, I mean... Yeah, but then on the other hand, it's like you're, again, you're managing expectations. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, from experience, like, I don't remember that well, but my mum used to say that it, it really knocked my football back getting released from Chelsea because, as I said, I did think I've, I've just made it here by being there at such a young age. And <laughs> obviously, I'm so stupid. But <laughs> when you're a kid, you don't know any different. And, like... I think, yeah, I do think managing expectations is a thing that that parents and clubs kind of kind of have a duty to do because the kids can't do it for themselves, can they? Yeah, and plus, like like the rules say, you can still play against grassroots teams, you know, for this academy. So they they're still getting an element of that. So it's still a good experience. Yeah, that's good. That's a really good perspective that you guys have brought to it because. And that's in line with the changes, because another change that I'm aware of is that they've said that the teams can't wear the first team kit at under six, under seven, majority of under eight until that sort of January period. So um, it seems like, sorry, go on. I was fuming at Chelsea when I played, I think I played two matches and weren't wearing the the right kit. I was so angry. (laughs) (laughs) That's you can't say anything bad about Chelsea on this podcast. You're not allowed. <laughs> I know, sure. I've noticed. I've I'm noticed. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure a few parents won't be happy either. You know, they won't get their, their picture with uh, their child wearing whatever kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. But this is going to create, hopefully, it will all be a bit softer. It'll be a bit less pressure. Like, you know, they're not in the team kits. You know, we know that there's a lot of churn at the under six, under seven ages, you know, players, they're, they're not developed at all. You know, they're really like in their infancy. So a scout is going to send someone in because they look like they have a certain potential, but then almost after two months, they can completely change. They can be a different player, good and bad. And then, and then, you know, like if, if it's on the negative side, that player is then being released out of the program but maybe like it's going to be just a little bit softer because they haven't had all the photographs on social media in the kit at these different training grounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But, but, why are you laughing, Rob? What's that? 
No, I was just I was just thinking if I did if I did uh, have a chance to wear the Chelsea kit. Say I was a kid now, I would definitely have had a photo in here, and then I'd have had to tell my mates, "Oh, I'm not going this week." <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just looking at it from that perspective all of this now because it's all coming back to me <laughs> you, you know what you see that with parents like uh, it's, it's horrible but that when, when the parents are doing all the pictures with social media and all that sort of thing and then they're very confident at a club and then they end up their kid ends up getting released from that club you often hear it with parents where they're like oh you know we chose to take them out um yeah. because of that sort of embarrassment you know it comes through like they built them up and then they feel embarrassed that i've, I've also had see um, how it happens. i've also yeah. had parents that tell me oh yeah he's being released but we're not telling him he's being released we're just going to tell him we're not going there anymore it's too far to travel etc so um yeah there's certain parents that are quite clued in that i've dealt with that that do try to help um protect their kids from that that confidence not no but you know what i don't agree with that like telling your kids like oh no we're not going to bring you anymore we just decide like as a kid you're, you're not um like exposing them to reality in that situation yeah, i think they need to and understand kids- why and you know i don't know it depends what type maybe what what type of yeah what type of personality yeah yeah because there are some that'll be all right fine and be okay with it some might take it a little bit harder and you know it's tough so i, I understand yeah, you, both both sides you, i can tell sean has when, a, a kid <laughs> you both know when i coach adults like i'm all for being harsh on them and telling them where they went wrong and what they need to do better but i think with kids you do have to kind of sugarcoat it a little bit more and and depending, worry more about depending on the kid. yeah Yes, but in general, at that age, you're less, um, you should be, in theory, less developed mentally to be able to deal with um, confidence knocking, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. True. And tell that you're carrying a few scars, Rob, yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly haven't thought about this for a million years, but now that you're saying it, I've remembered everything. This is like a, a therapy session for Rob. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you're going to start breaking down. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we've like had so many discussions with this, and I feel like, I mean, my view very strongly on it is, um, is, is, is each week, like when you're sending your kid into the centre, help them understand that, that there's a chance that they can be released and like, you know, not, they should never take anything for granted. And, and they've got to, and you've got to give continual feedback. Um, so, so yeah, so at the point when there is a release, because there'll, there'll be a release at some point in the process, like. So um, anyway. you, you said they need to understand why, I think, Sean, yeah? So what if the reason why is they're too slow and they, they are not good enough on the ball. How do you tell them that when they're seven years old? Yeah, it might be that you say to the kids, look, I know I was telling you every week that you had to get two hours of practice every day and you were playing Netflix and you were playing, you know, computer and you, no, and this, you weren't this, in the practice. This hypothetical kid is out there five hours a day. I mean, <laughs> a kid that's out there five hours a day from a young age. I'm just, 
I mean, I'm just being awkward. I'm just being awkward. We can move on to the next thing if you want. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's a good discussion. I love it. I, I love these sorts of conversations. But yeah, I suppose like, yeah, we want to move on. Um, all right. Well, we'll we, we talk, we've, we've talked about like whether it's almost like right, wrong to have these centres. Um, we, we've discussed this, this rules to the changes. Um, some of the other changes to the rules at the pre-academy phase are that you can't now give expenses to the to any parents if, if even if they're traveling from like far distances. Do you guys think that's fair? That that just applies to Chelsea, doesn't it? No, <laughs> Tottenham. To be honest, I didn't know. At, pre-academy they were given expenses yeah i think you can give a, a, you know some like petrol expenses but you have to like really track it um it has to be done all within the rules but yeah now they're saying nothing no under sixes no under sevens no under eights nothing you, you said they've stopped um, allowing clubs to give jobs to parents which suggests that they were doing that already yeah i didn't say that are you sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am sure on that. Uh, yeah, that's that's um, yeah, that, that's not something that happens. Um, people think that happens, but no, definitely not. Happens, it? What? What? Not? Not at young ages? Not un, under eight? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of the things covered with the pre-academy changes. Next one is compensation rules. So now, yeah, this is a big one because what was previously happening were that players were leaving their academy. Let's say it was like leaving QPR, going to play grassroots. Then AFC Wimbledon would be interested in the player, but... The, the player might have a £50,000 like compensation on their head or even £12,000. And then AFC Wimbledon are saying, well, that money is really important to us. We've got the choice of this other player. It's maybe not quite as good, but it's not going to cost us 12000 So then kids were losing opportunities. It was, yeah, it was awful. There's been like some real, real horror stories in this. So um, what they've done now with the rule change is they've said like you have to have a year gap. You can leave your club, have a year gap, and then you can go to a lower category club with without any compensation. My my question, Sean, is: Does the kid need to be out of academy football for twelve months, or let's say he's left the QPR, like you said, is he then able to go to an AFC Wimbledon straight away because it's a club in a lower league um, and in a lower category? Um, academy no the way that I've interpreted the rules are that if the player was going to go let's say from QPR to Wimbledon within that 12 month period there would be compensation due however yeah if the club can't come to an agreement the player has to go and play grassroots for 12 months and then after that period they can go and play for a lower academy than the one they left. Okay, got you. Yeah. How does it change to what we've had before? 
Well, yeah, like like I said at the start, um, you were having players who were essentially like trapped that they might have had a falling out with a coach or fall out with teammates. They might not have been quite getting enough minutes. The club might have been good at under seven, under eight, but then when they signed the under nines, it wasn't what they thought it would be. For whatever reason, they, they want to leave the club and, you know, that can happen in football. But then this whole thing with the compensation, you, um, clubs were really taking advantage of that, um, especially the clubs that were like desperate for money. I, in my experience, I saw that. I think like the, the, the clubs that are more affluent, I think they've shown a lot more compassion. And there's been a number of players I've known where the clubs have just said, look, good luck. If you really want to leave, you don't want to be here. We don't want to keep you here. We're not going to try and pursue compensation. Off you go. And they just write off the compensation. Such yeah. nice guys at Chelsea, aren't they? I didn't say Chelsea. I said the, <laughs> the company. I'm aware of. Um, um, I think where people get upset is where there's skullduggery. Like, like there is rivalries between clubs. And if, club think that their player is being tapped up like illegally then yeah they will go and pursue compensation and it can get quite acrimonious um this is such a difficult thing uh just in case like people don't know uh, obviously sean and marcelo are involved with academies i'm not i have uh, a little bit of experience at one of them briefly um but i'm probably approaching it from a slightly different mindset to either of them i mean we sean and myself we had a little call to just to prep for this uh, a couple of days ago and um I, I didn't really think about too much what my angle was but when this conversation has started my angle is more uh, thinking from the kids point of view which i think is quite important because they're the most vulnerable and um, the, the ones that you're actually trying to develop. I think you've got to be really careful not to upset a kid's life and hinder their development. You, like the, these clubs, whatever their finances, have a duty to do that, I think. And how you regulate that for the clubs that aren't going to regulate that themselves is really difficult because they, like, you, you don't want to get into a situation where uh, let's say uh, an AFC Wimbledon discovers a really good player and, and nurtures that player and then it's really easy for, for Arsenal or Tottenham or Chelsea to take them but at the same time you don't want to stop a child from playing football wherever he wants to play football yeah the, the rules are set up currently to make it very easy for the Cat 1 clubs to go and have their pickings from any of the cat three, cat two clubs that the, the premier league have made it that way. Um, I think the attitude is that they want to serve England and try and help produce as many like top English players as they can for the national team. So in the premier league's eyes, they think that the player is going to be best served at a category one academy. And the way that they've done all the trip E, triple P audits 
it's very hard to become a cat one academy you have to have like top facilities top coaches all the other stuff in place so they want the best players in those environments um, and i think that's why they've made it so that let's say it's like 48 hours before a game any like club can say i'm going to send a scout to your club and go and watch your team play and you have to let my scout into the training ground and and let them like watch the game and then that's so, so now they can watch the player um and then the compensation is it's not much i think it's sort of like three thousand pound a year in the younger years yeah. and so then by the time they get to under 12 it's sort of about twelve thousand quid yeah you know um, do you know what would go- be good if it sorry it would be good if they could link it for the rest of their their career at that that club that's taken the player and uh, it could increase relative to what that player actually achieves so if they do go on to be uh, a massive player for the first team or sold for 50 million that first club does get to benefit properly from that i think that is that is something that, that could come in to protect the clubs um what do you think yeah um i th- i thought it 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 did okay yeah I it, thought doesn't. It, did. it doesn't okay does it no i remember no. reading I, re- I remember reading like the agency stuff like and it it did uh, this was a while ago so it might have changed i don't know now that's but that's for um, it, international players that's for international players marcelo no but if there's a transfer if there's a transfer when they're at a professional age, then it has to it has to trickle down to the parents' club. I know it's done in. I, I'm in, talking about way before, way before. Uh, like, uh, say they take an um, a number ten. Yeah, say they yeah, take way, an under ten. That that compensation should be should be linked to whatever that that player goes on to achieve. I think I think that would be a fairer way, rather than I oh, agree. I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep paying this three grand or whatever you say it is now for all these players. It's nothing. You only need one in, one in, whatever, 200, 300, 400, 500 to hit to become a, a Premier League footballer, which is easy to happen uh, um, with those numbers, and you've easily made your money and more yeah. uh, on those on those small compensation amounts. So I think it'd be much more much fairer if it could be linked uh, yeah. going forward. And this this is going to happen much more now, especially because of all the Brexit rules. So now there are literally designated, especially in the Cat One clubs, designated scouts who are just employed just to go and watch academy games, not even just grassroots. Um, yeah, because clubs aren't allowed to to go and get those international players um, um, early on. Yeah, it's going to happen more and more where the, the category three, the best category three players are going to get cherry picked. The, the lower league clubs, like the lower category clubs, do fight back and they do things like the player will be um, in, like, let's say they're playing their own age group in the under 11s at the weekend. At the last minute, they'll move them up to a different age group. So the scout will go there, but then they'll get <laughs> to the training ground and realize that it was away. I, yeah, yeah I, th- I, th- I think they need to put something like this in place where the clubs feel protected enough, feel confident, secure enough that 
their player, they're going to get rewarded for their player if he does, if he is as good as what they believe he is. Why are you smiling, Sean? Because I thought of a story that is like, I can't believe that it happened. I can't believe that the, the club did it. Um, Brentford, like, Bre- do you, Marcelo, do you remember what Brentford were like when they had their academy? Yeah, they were, they were strong. They were strong presence in the area. <laughs> they, they were wild. They, like, the, the way that they behaved... Yeah, they yeah. go on. Remember, I think I went to remember, I went to watch a game, um, and it was QPR Brentford, uh, and a parent invited me because I, you know, I'd coached him sort of on a one-to-one basis. Um, at the time, uh, I probably was scouting for QPR. Um, uh, it was just when I started out, I was none the wiser. I just went to watch the kid play and sort of give some feedback to the parent. And I think a couple of the Brentford scouts knew me and, and in the end, like, threatened and tried to report me and all sorts. Yeah, well, what they did to um, our scouts and like what they used to do to other rival scouts that would come to watch them was that they would make them, like, because you could pick where on the pitch you got them to stand. So they would make them stand in like really awkward positions. And like one time they, our head of recruitment came down to watch a game, watch a player. And what they did was they got two 11 aside goals and they, <laughs> they enclosed the scout in, in these 11 aside goals. So the scout was like, our boss was like trapped in these, in these goals. Like, can you imagine that? Crazy. Like, yeah, like, they, they, they did some, uh, anyway, that's a whole other thing of, of um, yeah, how, how, when there's no rules, the clubs start operating and it can be a bit like the Wild West out there. Marcelo, what's the, um, as a scout, what's kind of um, the, the most creative way that you've, found a way to scout a player. I've not not really experienced that because a lot of my scouting is through like grassroots or district games where it's pretty much open. Um, I've not experienced being entrapped in 11-a-side goals. <laughs> they use five-a-side for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the, the third rule, um, how they have now... Allow yeah, they're allowing grassroots player. No, sorry, right. Let's start that again. The third rule is that they're now allowing academy players to play in grassroots games. Is this a good rule? How often are they allowed to play for grassroots? Whenever they want, as I understand it. No, no, it is actually a little bit more controlled like that by that. Um, the Premier League have to approve the club to be able to have players play at grassroots. So that's the first thing. Then the club do have full control. So if they don't want the player to play grassroots, they can say no. And I think that's the main thing. And then the Premier League are still talking to the FA about this because I think this is going to be like one of the, the biggest rules that is going to cause uproar, I think. So how, how does it work? Majority academies play on a Sunday. 
a lot of the grassroots games are on a Sunday. Will it not clash? It will clash, yeah. But I think well, the, the thing, sorry. Uh, well, Leon Phelan used to play for my Sunday team um, and him and the striker, Dwayne, they, they were at Wickham and a couple of times they'd turn up later on when the games didn't conflict uh, directly for time, they'd turn up and play both. Which is, I'm yeah, assuming, but this was in the works. 1960s. <laughs> 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 We're talking about old. modern times now, Rob. Like, no, I'm just like, saying. That, I, that, think that's, that, I think that's what's going to happen, isn't it? Like, they're just going to go and play in the morning for their academy, and then turn up somewhere and play in the afternoon. And like you, you were saying to me, you were saying to me, what do you think about this? I just, I'm really apathetic to this. Like, I don't think it. I don't see how it really matters. If you want to play football, don't let them play football. Yeah, but is that is that fair on perhaps some of the grassroots players that you know aren't at an academy and then they get less minutes because these guys are now coming in and, and playing instead of them in a cup final? There's always something to play. I, I just yeah, I can't see, especially now that they're, they're roll on roll off subs and everything. Yeah, I can't see the foot. I can't see any harm in this at all. But yeah, me and Marcella, we were talking about it earlier, and we were saying that yeah, what about little Johnny that gets dropped for the semi-final or the final because the academy kid comes in? Like, that's pretty harsh. Such a such a specific uh, like football is a harsh game, Sean. <laughs> like these things happen. You can't always get to play. Sometimes you're the best player in your team and sometimes you're the worst player in your team. That's how it works. <laughs> earlier on, happened to earlier on, you were, yeah, you were saying with your, wait, wait, with your hypothetical kid, you were like, oh, you haven't been released, Johnny. You haven't been released. Um, I'm choosing not to take you to the academy anymore. You were, be, you were saying being soft yourself. Yeah, true. But like, these kids are still going to play in the cup final. They're, like I would assume, like the the academy kids that I think. Why do you keep talking about cup finals as well? That's like one <laughs> once in a year or twice in a year max. Like it's, this is not a big issue. And and if one kid comes and plays, that's one kid that plays that doesn't play or maybe just plays a few less minutes in one game in the year. Yeah, but for it's little Johnny, it's not like it's not. And that might be the Listen, highlight of the career. Little, little Johnny should count himself lucky he's not getting released. <laughs> that that would hurt his feelings. That would really hurt oh, his feelings. Here comes his therapy <laughs> session again. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, Marcelo, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like it's a big day in that child's life. They've been like a keen player in the team. Yeah, they're, they're a bit overweight. Uh, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And under yeah. is a big day in that kid's life. Yeah. Uh, it is. It, you should see the Matt tournament. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It is in that moment, but it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> but up until that point, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's roll on, roll off. I'm sure. Yeah, but you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know those grassroots managers. Come on. Hold on, but they have relationships with all the parents from their from their teams, don't they? 
I don't yeah. I don't see that they're going to completely exclude. I, I'm sure it will happen, but I don't think it's going to be. Uh, it's going to happen enough to be something that you should worry about across the board. It does, it happens, Rob. It happens. It happens even now. You just see, like, there'll be grassroots teams and the coach has got relationships with kids that are at academies and at the next tournament, none of the original Sunday League team are there and it's just the academy kids just playing. It happens. Yeah, because you were saying that earlier, Mark. Go on, sorry, go on. I was just going to say that Marcelo said earlier that currently in tournaments, that's where all the academy kids go out and play because academy football shut down. But they don't play, obviously, during the season. But you can see that, like, if this rule is in place, maybe, like, what starts to happen is, yeah, like, more academy kids start, like, coming into grassroots football. But, but they'll still, those kids... They won't stop playing football. They'll just go to a, a team that they can play in, surely. But it's just quite stressful. It's just like they're involved in that team. They're their mates. That's their identity. And then next thing, like the kid who's in the academy, who's got that place, is just coming in and then just taking the spot. And, and that kid, what, what I'm where saying is that if, kid that, if that rule becomes, uh, well, it is it. So, once that's happened for a couple of years, teams won't leave their grassroots teams. So they'll always be a part of it. So you won't be excluding someone who's already there for that person. He'll just be a part of the team still. Mm. Yeah, true. You know what? The, the academies who perhaps have less resources and maybe big squads, um, I'm actually, I actually agree with this rule. The ones that can't is, offer. Is there is there a shortage of places to play football for people that for kids that want to play football? I didn't think there was. Well, there is a shortage of the good teams on the good pitches with the good coaches. Just... <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying a little bit, but like I said, I, I just think it's not it's not a big issue I, for me. I I wouldn't. Uh -huh. You know, I wouldn't be worried about this. Fair enough, fair enough. What about then academies who now, now they know that they can keep parents happy by like, getting enough game time for players, like using grassroots, will they just like gobble up like giant squads of like 30 players and then say, right, yeah, you know, for all the important games, you're going to go and play grassroots. But we can't still, just in case you become a good player, we don't want you going to yeah. any of our rivals. I cannot understand why the number of players you're allowed to sign isn't regulated more. I don't get you that. Can't, you what can't they, understand that one more time, please. I can't understand why clubs are allowed to sign so many players. They can sign, what is it, up to 30? Oh, okay. Still, I think it's a little bit high, especially when you're playing, what are you playing, nine aside, most of them. Yeah, but they are they are regulated that they have to give a certain number of minutes to every player. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Ignore me then. Yeah, but those minutes, 
like they can be in not very important fixtures. And sometimes even I've known like some clubs, I'm not going to say their name and it's, it's definitely not Chelsea, by the way, um, they, they, um, they use like the local school that they're connected with and they like allocate minutes in the school as part of the game time, um, as like the, the minutes that are used. Okay. And that's really unfair. Yeah. But, like, it's really unfair when clubs do that. But even like, obviously I, w- I was thinking about it all from the player's perspective, but you seem to be kind of linking everything to, oh, this needs to be fair. And this football is, it is a meritocracy as, as much as, um, like I do sympathize with parents and with kids who might play less or might, get released or I really do but it is a meritocracy and you can't really stop some of that happening like you can't say oh everyone should play the same minutes because to be honest like that, that would be ideal but I'm sure all three of us when we've coached kids teams we've played certain kids less and certain kids more don't lie don't lie <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hmm. Um, I see what you're saying. Okay, Sean. So, how about let's say your child is at an academy, is one of the better players, uh, plays in all the important games, but because now you know they've had to share the minutes around, and and it's it's it has to be all fair. Your son now in the important games is playing with the players who are perhaps struggling. And therefore, it's um, it's not helping your kid develop. What would be your your thoughts on that? But that's not the change that's happening. All right, but let, let's say they're not getting. No, the but you're arguing. Yeah, you're arguing for everyone to be playing similar minutes yeah. at the moment. However, we oh, got no, there, no, that no, 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 I'm not. I'm not necessarily arguing that. I'm saying that it's unfair if clubs, because um, right now it's very annoying for clubs. So that, that's part of the reason they don't sign dirty players because it ends up with like too many upset parents. So like it, it almost like self-manages itself. Um, whereas now, like they've got this solution where they can say, you know what, why don't we sign this player? We're not sure on them. We're not sure how many minutes they're going to get. But I, I think they could be a potential good player in three years time. It's worth the risk. What have we got to lose? Let's just sign them, send them off to the grassroots club and then we'll get them a few minutes here and there in like some sort of certain unimportant games. If um, it's gonna, more of a hybrid programme. If it's going to benefit the kid by getting better coaching, then I suppose it's fair enough. But yeah, I did think before starting this conversation that um, you shouldn't just be able to sign loads and loads of players and stockpile. Stockpile, that's it. I, I don't think you should be able to to have that scattergun approach to it, really, you should you should invest in the, the players a little bit more in terms of time and effort. Well, that leads on to the fourth change that they've done. And as you say that, I'm thinking of certain examples, Rob, of like Paul Scholes, Gareth Bale, Wilfred Zaha. Those are all players that struggled a lot through the academy programme and, and they needed a lot of time um, and like support from their academies. Um, so, so, so that's, that's where 
in some ways sort of like stockpiling um if you've got like too much pressure to have to release a player maybe in the past Paul Scholes would have been released or Wilfred Zaha wouldn't have been able to play down an age group or like yeah Gareth Bale when he's going through all his growth changes they thought you know what it's not worth the hassle yeah that's fair I just think it is possible for people to abuse it a little bit and just sign players so someone else can't have them I don't know where to how whether the balance is in the right uh, side of that or not, like whether they're signing players just to stop other teams having them and just in case, or whether, like you say, these are kids that they they really do think not there yet, but they do have potential to get there. Yeah, true. I would guess okay. it's the former. I would guess it's the former. Mm. But I don't know. Well, or the fourth change is this one around um, junior elite centres. Is that, is that what they're called, Marcelo? Yeah. Uh, junior elite centres. Junior training centres. Junior training centres, that's it. So, um, like a year ago or two years ago, the Premier League changed the rules of how you could bring a trialist in, where they said that you... Because what was happening before was that clubs were just bringing a player in, maybe like looking at them for like two sessions, one session sometimes. And then the player was clearly not at the level and was breaking down the session. So then that player was then like gone back into, put into grassroots football. Um, But like, you know, you spoke about it earlier, Rob, about like, you know, the pain that you suffered when you were released from your (laughs) professional club. Um, I mean, I haven't heard the end of it. Um, but so, so you know, the Premier League were looking <laughs> oh. to sort of like you know, stop that happening. So they they started regulating the trial process and saying that it has to be a minimum of eight week trials that clubs were like you know having for for players, um, and they have to be registered. They have to be given kit, and and it's a lot. It costs money, and it's a lot of like work that goes in for a lot of people to bring in a trialist into a club now. So. Um, as a result, again, like the clubs always sort of find ways that then work with the rules that they're given. And so then a lot of clubs then started to produce like shadow squads and yeah. they would have like, yeah, if these, these centres that will go on where it's not part of the academy, it's more part of like the community programme or, or another side of the club. And then that would be a way that they could sort of like monitor players in that environment. So, but then, yeah, the club, the Premier League have identified that this has been happening. So now they're regulating this and they're now saying, no, you, we, we're going to put a name on this. They're going to be, you know, these, these junior training centers and there has to be like all criteria around this. Um, and what's your understanding of the criteria, Marcelo, like on these, on these rules that have gone around this now? So these so-called junior training centre teams would need Premier League approval to perhaps play other academies. Um, that's, right, that's yeah. Um, and also the amount of fixtures that they play will also be limited by the Premier League. Right. Why do you reckon they've done that? What's the thinking? I'm not quite sure. Um, I think a lot, a lot of, from my experience, is... You know, they would use 
uh, perhaps playing against these other so-called academies or even like lower category teams to perhaps look at some of their boys. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. What's, what's your thinking? Maybe it's just that there has to be a bit of a time limit on it. They can't just indefinitely have these players just in these centres. Maybe some of the clubs um, maybe even charge for it um, and it becomes a money-making thing. I, I don't know if that's, that's what goes on. But yeah, uh, you said there's a you said there's a minimum. Is there a maximum term? No, they can keep. There's no, not. No. See that that that's a bit crazy to me. And are, are these players? Are they part of the thirty that you can sign, or are they on top no, of that? They're not signed. No. These yeah. are like shadow squad with the academy. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not sure about all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but when you say you're not sure about it, Rob, like if if you don't have it, how are these players meant to be looked at? Yeah, but you, there's a there's a minimum term of eight weeks. Yes. Not, not yes. if you if you come not, in for a professional. Sorry. Not at these junior tra- like the shadow squads. They can be there for a whole year, two years. If you know. Yeah. No, I said I said minimum. Uh, I think that depends eight. on the club. Yeah, there's no I minimum th- set up by the Premier League. Okay, so I thought you said there was a minimum, but there should be a maximum. Never mind a minimum. Yeah, there should be a maximum. Like you shouldn't be able to string a kid along, especially if, like, there may be clubs charging money. Like that is. Yeah, that is ludicrous. And I, I think, I think but Fulham were charging. I think Fulham were charging money. I heard from a parent. But what if what if the club see really good potential in the kid? It's just not. They don't feel he's quite ready, but they want to keep him. You know, in in and around. Yeah. We, yeah, I mean, there won't, won't, won't be thirty of those, will there? Or yeah, there won't, won't be. Won't, it, it won't be a massive group. But it's a numbers game, isn't it? So if if there's one that makes it from that, then is it worth it for the club? Of course, it's worth it. But yeah, exactly. what I'm saying is, you shouldn't. They this should be regulated. I think. No? But, the, but that's what they're doing. They're starting to regulate it now. They start. These are the. I mean, often with rules, they might start off like lighter. But the fact that they're now giving a name to the pre-academy programme, which the Premier League like, were never governing before, that mm. they're starting to like, put enforcements around it. And the same with these junior training centres, that there's an, a name on it, there's a structure. In a year's time, there'll probably be more rules on top. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So what, what, have you said that already? What, what are the rule changes? I've, I've forgotten. For, for this particular bit, for shadow squads. What, um, what they implemented? Just, so just the, Sorry, go on. So they can play against grassroots teams, but they're not allowed to play against um, other academies. Okay. Does that make sense? Um, and it has to be approved by the Premier League, um, where they have where they, where they can play against other junior training centres. Like Sean said, I know there are a few who who yeah charge and um and then they they get to play other other centers and and yeah and so there's a limit now on that yeah my, my feeling on the four changes that we've talked about is that they're pretty positive on the whole i think they do right by the children um it's working towards you know us having a better football nation and I think it's got like children's mental health 
and mental well-being at the forefront of these decisions? Um, you know, on the whole, would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Level out the playing field a little bit as well. Um, so, well, yeah. I hope I, I hope that's been helpful for parents and to give our take on these rules and give a little bit more explanation because I know lots of things have been shared around on social media and different WhatsApp groups. But yeah, we, we hope this has been helpful and uh, please look out for our next episode coming soon. Right. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys. Guys. Cheers. Bye.